You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. In 1 Samuel 13, we've got a situation which um, uh, it, it, it describes the fact that the Philistines are coming against God's people. Now, the only relevance to that is the size of the army. And the Bible tells us that, and I'm sure I've got the scripture reference somewhere, but I can assure you it's in the Bible somewhere. It's 1 Samuel 13, 5, just says that there were 30,000 chariots. Can you imagine that? 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and foot soldiers so numerous that they could not count them because they were like the sand on the seashore. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty ginormous army. And the Bible goes on to tell us um, in verse whatever it is, um, that verse 15, that Saul had with him 600 men. So, so take a look, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, unbelievable number of foot soldiers, and Saul has with him 600 men. And so there will be times in our lives, my friends, when the arithmetic does not look good. When the logic and the reason are just not there. When what we're facing is not just a little bit of a difficult hurdle, something we have to exert to get over, but it is impossible. 600 against 100,000 or whatever it was, that's, that's not difficult. That's insane. That, that, that's not climbing Mount Everest, that's creating Mount Everest, okay? And there are times in all of our lives when we know that we face a situation, there's nothing that we physically can possibly do about that. And so they were facing this. But you know what? It gets even worse. Because in chapter, yeah, in verse uh, 19, it says that there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel for the Philistines had said, just in case they make themselves swords and spears. And so what's happening here? Oh, the, the Philistines came in and they got rid of all the blacksmiths sometime prior to this so that there was no swords and spears. So not only have you got 600 against hundreds of thousands, but now what are they going to fight with? Nothing. They got nothing but rocks and sticks and uh, that's all they got. When you get into a situation like that, there's always two attitudes. There's always going to be a response that falls into two different categories. And it goes on, verse 22, and it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear. Brother, this is grim. Found in the hand of any of the people who were Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan his son. And so here's two men, Saul and Jonathan, his son, and their armor bearers. They had weapons, but nobody else had weapons against an army so vast. And my friends, there was two different people and there was same equipment, but two different people and two very different responses. And I want to talk about the response that we have towards the impossibilities of life that will trigger the miraculous intervention of God. And so it it happened in chapter 14, verse 1. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come, 
let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Okay, so here's the first response. Here's the first response. Jonathan says, uh, look, I'm only one, but I am one. And I've just had it up to here with the lies and accusation and intimidations of the adversary. And I am going to believe God for what is utterly impossible. And I don't care what anybody else does, but I'm going to put my life on the line and I'm going out there and I'm going to believe God for a miracle. And so that's response number one. Here's response number two. And Saul, with his 600, we're sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree. Isn't that lovely? Which was in migraine. And uh, migraine. The people, I bet they had a migraine, but they're the finish. The people who were with him were about 600 men. So here we've got Jonathan. He's got one. And he says, let's take them on. Let's do the impossible for God. And here's Saul. He's got 600. And what's his attitude? Well, let's be reasonable. 600 against 30,000 chariots. We've got to show some intelligence in this thing. Let's go find a pomegranate tree and have ourselves a picnic. And so we have the picnic bunch and we have Jonathan and his armor bearer who have decided we're going to do something about this. So different an attitude and a response. And these next few moments... I probably won't finish on time, but in the next few moments, I want to take you through the steps that Jonathan and his armor bearer had to take on because I believe somehow it is a prophetic picture of what many of you will face and certainly this church collectively because I can tell you one thing. I don't need to be a prophet to tell you this. If you are hitched to Pastor Paul, you're going to be facing impossibilities for the rest of your life, okay? Because I can't ever see him settling down for what's reasonable. Can you say that that's a good thing? You're living in the evidence of it. Praise the Lord. Now, here's the first challenge. Verse 4, between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side, there are sharp rocks on the other side, and they even named them. And if you go into the original, it seemed to me to read like there was sharp rocks all over the place. Everywhere you look at sharp rocks. And you'd think if a, two young men st stood out and marched forward in faith and courage and obedience to God, that God would give them a red carpet or an escalator or something. But no, what happens? No, he just rocks all over the place. What does that speak of? Difficult terrain. So, my friend, don't, don't be the slightest bit surprised that when you step out in faith for God to do the impossible, that there isn't a red carpet. It's a rocks all over the place. Man alive, Lord, you could have made it a little bit easier. No, no, no. Obedience sometimes means that we get our toes stubbed on the way through and we might stumble the odd time or two over a rock or two. But if you've got resolve in your spirit, then you're not going to be put off by all the rocks because you know that you're committed in your heart nothing's going to turn you back and so they just kept on going and now uh, we'll come back to verse 11 so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of Philistines 
And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes in which they've hidden. Talk about derision. And the men of the garrison called to Jonathan his armor bearer and said, you come up to us. Oh, we'll show you something. And what are they, what is this? This is words of intimidation. And you step out for God, my friend. I'll tell you what, the enemy will come with his fiery darts and he'll begin to speak in your ear. Oh, you really want to take me on? Don't you know about your own frailty? Don't you know about your limitations? Don't you know about your humanity? And, and suddenly all these voices, my friend, these voices. Can you just imagine the poor heart of that armor bearer? He was already scared out of his mind. He could do his arithmetic. And now these voices. So what was Jonathan's response? Oh, look at it. And Jonathan said some words of his own. And Jonathan spoke to his armor bearer and he says, now you come up after me for the Lord has delivered them into the hands of Israel. And so he recognized the power of these negative words to undermine the faith of his armor bearer and so he gets sweeps right on in and he begins to speak words of his own and friends listen to me clearly tonight because you are hitched up with a leadership that are going to take on impossibilities for the next decades to come and there's always going to be somebody that doesn't understand. There'll always be some negative voices somewhere. And you can either sit silently or you can add a few words of your own. Why, why, why don't you turn to your armor bear? Why don't you turn to the one to the left and right in such moments? If you see them trembling a little bit and maybe getting a little fearful, then speak to them. Say, we can do this thing together. It's okay. God's for us. We're believing for a miracle. Put your arm around their shoulder and say, come on, we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep one foot after the other. But we are not going to sit down under the pomegranate tree. We are going forward to the line. My friends, speak words of creative faith into each other. You desperately need each other in times of faith. And so it was that John, verse 13, and Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. Ooh, ah, I like that. The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. This is a spiritual battle we're in. So, so what do you think it's telling us right here about scaling up into the place of battle on our knees? Anybody has it a guess? Prayer. Okay, uh, and my friends, you'll never ever occupy the miraculous of God if you're not willing to be a man or woman of prayer. If you're not willing to get on your knees, you'll never hold the sword effectively. We've got to become back to being men and women of devotion and men and women of prayer, and then we will see not only our own triumph and breakthrough, but we'll take others with us. And he took his armor bearer with him. And look at this next bit. Must be the Irish in me, but I really like the next bit. And they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. Now, now I don't want to get too graphic or anything. You may stuff or anything like that. But the whole point is that Jonathan's got a sword, right? And he just takes one swipe. And he doesn't even wait to see where the guy falls. He just so trusts his armor bearer to come up behind him and go, nink. 
And, and he's just tidying up the whole mess. And, and Jonathan doesn't have to worry about a thing. He just goes on to the next one, then on to the next one. I love it. It talks about teamwork. It talks about loyalty. It talks about trust. But you know what else it talks about? How God puts opposites together. You know, Jonathan was a, Jonathan was a visionary. But that's why he needed the armor bearer, because the armor bearer was a detailed person. I'm a broad stroke visionary explosion in a mattress factory. But my wife, she's got intelligence and, and, and strategies and, and she actually thinks occasionally. And, 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 you know, and, and somehow God put us together. And friends, when God puts two people together like that, don't spend your whole life trying to make them like you. God puts, God puts them together for a reason. God puts the broad stroke visionaries together with a detailed person. Why? Because the boast is so vital. So, so you don't go through life kind of, you know, I can just imagine some, some you know, I'm a broad stroke person. In our first years of marriage, you know, we learned so much, I can tell you. And you certainly didn't want to put it in a book. And, 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 you know, you think, you get, wake up in the morning and you think, mm, nitpicking little so-and-so, always thinking about points one to 14. All I want to do is cast some glory for God. <laughs> but what is the detailed person thinking? Irresponsible idiot. When are you ever going to take a look at some of the realities? And so, friends, God puts you together because together you can make the difference. And then... <laughs> God, make me impervious to all... Yes. Um, but you'll find in verse 15, God can't take it any longer. In verse 15, he sees this faith, this courage, and this audacity. And we find in verse 15 that there's a huge, humongous earthquake. The whole place shakes. And, and before you know it, thousands of these troops are killing each other and running this way and that way. And God gets in on the act. My friends, you're going to have a year of breakthrough as you dare to put your life on the line and dare to trust the word God's put in your heart and dare to, as it were, to step. You know, everybody wants to walk on water. Oh, wait a minute, maybe everybody doesn't. Is there anybody here that would actually just once in your life? You want to walk on water? Anybody? Bunch of chickens. Everybody wants to walk on water, but that's never been the question. Who wants to get out of the boat? Because us Irish are smart. We figured it out. You can't walk on the water while you're in the boat. But everybody wants to. Everybody wants to have the miraculous testimony, but nobody wants to be in a position where it's necessary. Friends, dare to go beyond the line. And now, as I work towards the possibility 
of a probable close. I, I want to, I've saved two verses to the last because without them, the rest of it doesn't work. Everything I've said tonight hinges on two verses. The first one I want to draw your attention to is verse 14. The first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made were about 20 men within half an acre of land. Why is that so significant? Well, you think about it. You, you think about it. My friends, listen to me. Um, if, if Jonathan and his armor bearer are, are in battle and with well-armed troops, how many know it took a few minutes before they killed off 20 of these people? It wasn't just, they didn't line up and say here. No, they, 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 there was a battle going on. So where do you think the other 30,000 were while Jonathan and his armor bearer were carving up 20 of their mates? Where do you think they were? Watching in the grandstands? No, they were completely surrounding them. And that's most significant because only then did God get in on the act. And my friends, the point to the verse is only when they were beyond the point of no return did God Almighty get into the act. You see, when they came across the valley floor, I can just imagine Jonathan, uh, God, now would be a great time to come through. You know, and then they start scaling up the side of the hill. Father, you know, I, I know you're testing, but now's brilliant. Just, just come through now. And then they get to within a metre of this wall of steel. And now it's a little more, more like, Father, a joke's a joke, all right, I get it. But now, come through now. No, not, not a word from the heavens, silence. Just complete silence until when they were completely surrounded, they were fully engaged and they'd already begun the work God had asked them to do and they were out on sheer limb for God with no retreat, then God Almighty came in on the act. My friends, don't let the opposition stop you short. I get this picture sometime of some of you and it's like God calls you to do something supernatural or miraculous and you walk and you walk and you walk and then suddenly you see, you get to within like uh, uh, six inches of your breakthrough and you wake up one morning and say, ah, why has God not come through? This is a load of rhubarb. And every angel in the heaven screams out, no, don't quit now, you're just about there. My friends, push through. Finally, the verse that everything depends on. And Pastor Paul, let me say this, that the conquest of the future, when I see how much has been accomplished already, it boggles my brain. And yet it's not the end. It's a setup for the launch. It's the cities and nations of you that of God will birth on the inside. And I'm telling you now that that territory God has yet for you to take is just ginormous. And so I believe of all my heart that Prophetically, God is giving me a verse, and that's verse 7. 
And I want you to take a look at it. Because the corporate, the corporate vision God has placed on this house depends on this. Verse 7, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. Now, now my friends, why, why the double emphasis? Why your heart? You know, like your heart. I'll tell you why, because it wasn't his heart. Right at the, uh, uh, you know what? Can you just imagine it? He, John, I don't know what the armor bearer's name was. Let's call him Josh. He woke up one morning. Jonathan's at his tent flap, banging on the tent flap. He says, come on out here, Josh. He comes out and he says, look up there on top of the hill. Yes. And can you see them? What do you mean? Of course I can see them. There's thousands of them. He says, well, I'll tell you what are we going to do. Just you and me, Josh, just the two of us. We're going to go up there before breakfast and we're going to knock the living daylights out of all of them. What do you think went through the man's brain? Come on, be real. What do you think went through his brain? I'll tell you what, the first thing went through his brain, Jonathan, you're nuts. But then something else must have gone through his brain. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are the steps of a righteous person really ordered by God? Because if they are, then it's God that brought me to this place. And if that's true, then it's God that appointed Jonathan as my captain. And it's God that appointed me to be his armor bearer. And suddenly the light bulbs went on. That simplifies everything. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to see the logics of this one little bit. And he turns to Jonathan and he said, now watch my hand, please. Do all that is in your heart. For lo, here am I with your heart. And my friends, if that you, most of you will never be called to be uh, the captain of the host, the Jonathan. But I want to tell you something right now. The kingdom of God absolutely depends upon you having the heart of this armor bearer. Because when the leadership are able to reach out in faith to do the impossible and there's a groundswell of you, every single one of you, and and what is emanating out of your spirit is, it's okay, Pastor Paul. It's okay, Pastor Marie. It's okay with the leadership team. Listen to me. We are with you according to your hearts. I'll tell you what, the unity and the power that comes out of that is an unstoppable force. And there was a miracle that day. Why? Because a young man named Jonathan stepped out in faith and courage. And because a nameless other young man dared to put all reason aside and say, do what's in your heart. Because I'm with you according to your heart. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.